Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Good to be with you again today, dear mothers and wives, and whoever is listening, I hope... Uh, Young ones, middling and older are all listening to the wonderful revelations we are talking about in God's Word. Currently, we are doing the series of the wonderful, amazing description of how God creates the baby in the womb from Psalm 139. And this, of course, not only relates to uh, a little baby in the womb that is happening right now, but it's about our own lives, where we originated, where we began. And I want to mention a little thought as I begin today from verse 13. Remember, it's Psalm 139. And the psalmist David himself says, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. You notice there, there's a personal pronoun. And uh, if we read this beautiful description again, let's just notice the, the personableness of this scripture. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet... There was none of them. Now, David is not talking about a little it in the womb. He's talking about himself, me. Now, David is not a little baby when he's writing this. David is a grown man. David is a great, mighty warrior. David is the king of Israel. And he's talking about the beginning of his life. And he's talking about it as though it is him right now. And that is the truth. That's the truth we have to understand. That you, dear precious mother, you were you in the womb. The moment you conceived, that was you. Um, You were not someone else. You were you right then, of course. From there you grew and grew. And uh, you have changed all the way through. You changed as you grew in the womb. And then you changed as you came forth from the womb to grow to who you are today. But that was you. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. And here God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, Before I formed you... Notice it again, that personal pronoun, you. 
Yes, God is speaking to Jeremiah, not as he's speaking to him as an adult, yes, but he's speaking to him as when he began. He said, before I formed you, before I formed you, you, in your mother's womb, I chose you. I chose you, you. Yes, this was in the womb. Jeremiah was already who he was right back there. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And so we see here this uh, very personal pronoun and that God was speaking destiny over Jeremiah, even in the womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. I sanctified you. Before you were born, I, ad- I ordained you. I appointed you. Uh, the actual meaning of that word, appointed or ordained, means to give as a gift. God said, I, I gave you as a gift to the nations. And every precious baby that God gives to us, dear mothers, is not only a gift to us, not only a gift to our family, but a gift to the world. God gives each precious new baby as a gift to bring him, to bring revelation of who he is to the world. And so it's good to be reminded, isn't it, that We are who we are now, right from the beginning of conception, when the 23 chromosomes of your father and the 23 chromosomes of your mother joined together at fertilization. That was you. That was your DNA. Your DNA, which was unique from anybody else who's ever been born or who will ever be born again. It, it's that's your DNA. It's not going to change. It doesn't change in the womb and it doesn't change when you're born and as you get older. Your DNA is who you are from the very beginning, that moment of fertilization. That was you. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, let's go on to our next description. We are finding that these descriptions are so amazing. I mean, God said that he, he created us wonderfully and, and we talked about that last time. And now we go on to verse 14 where it says, Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. So God not only creates us wonderfully, but he creates us marvelously. So many adjectives. God uses loads of adjectives in his word because he needs these adjectives to describe the wonder of his workings. And this word, shall we look into this one today? Now, it's very similar to the last one. Last week, he creates us wondrously. And uh, that word is parla, <clears throat> uh, with um, H. Yes, um, last time, the parla was P-A-L-A-H. 
but this word is P-A-L-A. It's a different Hebrew word, a very, um, yes, similar, but different. It also means um, to be separate, to be distinguished, to be singular, but also, also, get this, ladies, to be extraordinary, wonderful, miraculous, astonishing, hard or difficult, meaning it's not something that man can do very well. It's something only God can do. It's the, the revelation of God doing things beyond the bounds of human powers or expectations. Now, we read this word in other scriptures in Psalm 9, verse 1. It says, I will show forth all thy marvelous works. In First Chronicles 16, verses 9 and 12, it says, Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-nine, the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working, all using that Hebrew word parlor. And it's talking about all the wondrous works of the Lord. But, of course, here it's talking about the wondrous works uh, of God creating the baby in the womb. And, uh, oh, it, it's amazing, isn't it? Here we read marvelously, but then God has to use all these extra adjectives to explain the fullness of the Hebrew word. And did you get them? Let me give them to you again. And you, we have to realize this is the incredible miracle of how God created us, you, me, and the precious children God has given to us. It's extraordinary, wonderful, miraculous, astonishing. Yes, now when was this word first used? We go back to Genesis uh, chapter 18, uh, and we'll read about this in Genesis eighteen fourteen, And this is in the context of when God came, he visited uh, Abraham, well, he's Abraham now, and told them that they were going to have a child. Verse 9, um, and it says here, uh, well, the three men came, remember, to Abraham. And God said, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. But we know that Sarah was listening uh, behind the tent door. And she knew that Abraham was old and she was old. And how could this happen? And she laughed. And God said, uh, <clears throat> And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? And then God says these words in verse 14. Is 
anything too hard for the Lord? Now, that question was used right in the middle of God speaking of a miracle of birth. Sarah was not able to conceive, but God said, I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to do something that man cannot do. And Sarah will have a child. Now, this word parlor actually occurs twice in this scripture. Is, that's the word parlor, anything too hard? Once again, it's parlor for the Lord. So two times in this scripture, God uses this wonderful uh, word, meaning just extraordinary and astonishing and miraculous and wonderful. There's another very interesting part of this passage here. It goes on to say, after God said that, he continued and said, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Uh, That phrase also occurs two times in this passage, that I will return to you according to the time of life. Have you ever noticed that phrase in the Bible? It also occurs in another passage too in the Bible. The time of life. The time of life is a very powerful time in our lives as mothers in our childbearing years. Because every month we have a time of life. It is the time of ovulation. Those few days in the month when we are able to conceive, when we are fertile, when we're going through ovulation. And this is our time in the month when God can visit us and give us conception. I think I have shared with you how God speaks about conception as a visitation from God. And here God is saying, I'm going to return to you at the time of life. And I believe that this was the amazing miracle that God did for Sarah, that he restored to her her womanly cycle. She began to cycle again. She was well past menopause, but God miraculously returned her cycle, which means that she would even begin to look younger. She would even be more enticing to her husband. And once again, she is having this monthly cycle, and there in the middle of that cycle is the time of visitation, that time of life when God could come and visit her and give her that miracle of conception. The time of life is something that we have to look at seriously, ladies, because it's part of the way God created us as women. And it's something that is very, very precious to God. Because he created us to have this time of life. The time when he could come, if it is his will, and give us conception. He doesn't come every month or 
every time we are fertile. He comes when he knows that he wants to bring us conception. And so we need to always be open to God. It's meant to be a time of life, not a time of death. So many women want to close up that time of life. They don't want God to come near them and visit them. They don't want conception. So they do everything in their power with contraception or maybe even sterilization to stop God coming to them at that time of life. But God wants us to be open. The most beautiful thing we can ever do in our lives is be totally yielded to the sovereign will of God because then we know we are in his perfect will. He may not give us conception. We're in his will. Or he will give us conception. We are in his will because we are totally yielded to his sovereignty and open to whatever he wants to do during this time of life. So, isn't that wonderful? Okay, now this verse all also says, marvelous, yes, that's the wonderful word, Paula, are thy works. Now, God is also working when he is creating the baby in the womb. God is at work, ladies. Did you realize that? The word is ma'asa, and it means an action. An art to labor, to make. It's translated handiwork. It's translated workmanship. And it's translated lots of different practical things. Uh, This word is used of people who are doing baking. The ones who bake the bread in the tabernacle. Needlework is four times it's translated needlework. And it talks about brass making and uh, um, candle making and all kinds of practical things. Um, But here, of course, it's talking about God just creating, doing his wondrous works. Oh, I, I love... Uh, Psalm 145, verses 9 and 10. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. Now, those words, tender mercies, are the Hebrew word rakam, which I have talked to you about previously, and it is a word that means the womb. It is used interchangeably in the word of God about a woman's womb and also of God. Speaking of God's compassion, his tender mercies, and here, here's the word. It's interesting, I'm amazed that it says in his tender mercies, his wombness, his motherliness is over all his works. It's over, of course, his most greatest creation, the creation of, of life, for each life is made in the image of God. But it's over all his works. God tenderly watches over all his works and all his works. Uh, to praise him 
Doesn't it say that? All thy works shall praise thee. All of creation praises the Lord. We don't hear the sounds. Well, we do. We hear the sea. We hear the sea uh, and the breakers rolling. And, and we hear thunder. And we, we, we hear lots of sounds of creation. But we don't hear all the sounds. We don't hear the trees. We don't hear the flowers. And yet they are all singing praise to God. Uh, he hears it, although we may not. But it comes back to also his highest creation, which is which are male and female, created in his image for the highest purpose of bringing forth praise to him. We are, we are created in the womb, but ultimately, as we come forth to bring praise to God, we are his works. Therefore, we should praise him. And therefore, we should embrace who we are. He created us female. As we embrace this, as we praise him for it, as we just function in the way that he created us, we bring praise to him. When we reject who God created us to be, we are doing the opposite. Let's look at Psalm 102, verse 18. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. There it is. Each person who is created, beginning in the womb, coming forth into the world, is created for the purpose of praising God. Oh, lovely ladies, let's be those who show forth God's praise. It's more than just praising the Lord. No, it's, it's, it's talking about more than that. It, we are to show forth his praise. We see this in Isaiah forty nine twenty one. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. It's a revealing of God's purpose for us in our lives. It's ultimately embracing who he created us to be as this female, feminine, nurturing, nourishing, womanly creation who is revealing this aspect of the heart of God to the world. Just as God, Racham, just tenderly watches over all his works. So we tenderly, we watch over our children and our home. It's, this is the anointing God has put within us. And as we do this, we are showing forth his praise. Isaiah 43, 7, I have created you for my glory. Then we go over to the New Testament, for we are his workmanship. There we are again. God is working in us, for we are his workmanship, just as he began in the womb as a workman creating in the womb. For now we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. 
1 Peter 2, 9, that you should show forth. Here it is again, that you should show forth. Not only sing praises, but show it forth. Reveal it in your life, in embracing every way that God has created you. That you should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, I think of that scripture in Revelation 2. And I just can't recall the reference at the moment, but it again says how we are created for his pleasure. He created us for his pleasure. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Let me take you to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Beautiful passage here about God's works. And let's go to it. Yes. Verse 2. The works of the Lord are great. Sort out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works. Well, this is what we've been talking about of the creation of babies in the womb. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. The works of his hands are verity and judgment, and so on. And that also, one of those descriptions there is also the word parlor, being wonderful, extraordinary, miraculous, amazing. Okay, let's go on to the next point. Verse 15 now, God strongly creates us. This scripture says, my substance was not hid from thee. Now the word substance is otsem, meaning, um, well, I'll give you the spelling, O-T-S-E-M, and it means power, body, bones, strength, might. God creates each baby strongly so that when the little precious baby comes forth from that womb, it's strong enough to live in this world and face this world. I I think especially when we have our first baby. Oh, do you remember what it was like? And uh, I don't know, you may be like me. I wasn't very familiar with babies when I became a mother. Uh, There were only three children in our family, and I didn't have babies all around me. I didn't have that blessing of of, uh, being brought up in a large family where babies kept coming along, and there was always a baby to love and embrace. So I hadn't really had much to do with babies. And so when this new baby was born, oh, it was so delicate. Well, he was a pretty strong baby, but I felt he he was so delicate and oh my, you were just so oh, you just overwhelmed at the responsibility of caring for this precious life. And I do think that there's always that precariousness in those first three months as we 
watch over that little baby as it's getting stronger. But it's amazing how strong they really are. They are born strong enough to grow and, and uh, be part of this world. Most translations translate that word substance for bones. Nearly every other translation says, uh, my substance, my substance, my bones, my bones were not hid from you. God was there creating the bones. Isn't that amazing? Uh, We looked at an earlier part of this passage where it says, God possessed my reins. And that was talking about the very inner being, our mind and heart and soul. God was in the womb from conception, even working in this part of our being. But now it's talking about the physical and how he creates the bones. A couple of translations say, my frame, Uh, you were working on my frame, but most use my bones. Now, isn't this interesting, two ladies, that right from the very beginning, God is creating the male and the female differently. We talked about this last week and how the, the baby is, uh, from the very beginning, determination, it's called that. It's the determination right from the very beginning at conception. Determination determines whether the embryo will be male or female right from that beginning. So all this crazy junk of of, um, what's happening in our society today and this push towards uh, transgender and the weakening of the... um, how God created us to be male and female, is an attack of the enemy against God, our creator. Right in the womb, God determines the sex, male or female. And he begins right in the very beginning uh, that he begins to create the bones of the uh, male, of the male baby, Uh, the little boy baby, stronger. And boys come forth from the womb having stronger bones, denser bones. They have stronger tendons and stronger ligaments. They have more muscle mass, uh, which is the result of testosterone. Um, Yet, it's interesting, even though the male has stronger bones, the female... Uh, she doesn't have as strong bones, but she produces more antibodies and at a quicker rate than men and has more white blood cells. And for this reason, she will, as she comes forth, get fewer infectious diseases. Plus, she, if there is any problem, uh, perhaps at birth, a female will... Um, be more likely to survive than a male. That's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, God created the male to be strong physically. He needs to be strong to, to carry weights and to physically work hard and to go out and be the provider and the hunter and, and that's who he is. And yet the woman isn't created like that, but God put a different strength in her. She has an ability to... Uh, to resist um, 
infection more. Of course, she can still get sick, but somehow she will survive more ably. And I think God created her to be like that because the mother in the home, she she often, as you know, I'm sure, precious mother, that you have to just keep going. Even when you're sick, you can't go to bed and think, forget everybody, I'm sick, poor me. No, you keep going. Somehow you do keep going and you get through and you survive. But men, when they get sick, oh, if they even get a cold, you know what it's like. Oh my, they're wiped out. That's just too much for them. God created us differently. But anyway, time has gone, so we'll talk more about it next week. Father, we do thank you so much for uh, all this wonderful description and and uh, how you show us how you're so personally involved in our creation, in the creation of our precious children that you give to us. We bless your wonderful name and thank you and praise you and ask that you will help us to daily show forth your praise in our lives and in our homes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In that